started today, can I ask a huge favor? Some of you, nobody raises their hand and say, sure, Pastor. Just, uh. So we're online, we're on Facebook. We want to welcome everybody who's joining. But one of the people joining us is my mother. Now, she's been a part of this church for 16 years, and today is her birthday. So she's watching us online now. Can we say on the count of three, happy birthday, Tressa, all right? One, two, three. Happy birthday, Tressa. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, guys. Happy birthday, Mom. I'll see you later. Thank you for cooking for me today. She's not cooking. I'm just kidding. She's not cooking. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Turn to Hebrews chapter 5. We're going to continue a series we started a couple weeks ago. Of course, last week, Pastor David Briggs spoke for us an incredible message it was a great message last week. I encourage you to listen to the podcast. But we were in a series called Better Together, and we've been talking about being better together. Yeah. And the, one of the truths I want to really nail down is that you were not meant to live life alone. You are better together than you are alone. Now, I understand sometimes it's nice being alone. How many people like to be alone? You know, this past summer... We had, you know, my wife was doing a ladies group here at the church, and so my daughter would come to it. They had kids ministry. I'm never alone at my house. I'm never. I never walk into an empty house. It just doesn't happen. There's always people. And so every Wednesday night for like eight weeks, I was alone. Me and my Chinese food. We were, we were having intense fellowship. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> We were, we were having communion together. I mean, it was just, it was awesome. And so there's moments where we're, we're, we're in love with being alone. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Not lonely, but alone. But that's not life. That's not how we're supposed to live our life. It's just not me and the dog. It is us and people. God called us to live with people. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 teaches us this. Paul's writing to the church, and he says, hey, there's an, there's an excellency about God. God's put his spirit in you. He starts talking about how good God is and just kind of blowing God up. And then he says this, and we have this treasure. What treasure? The treasure of who God is. The treasure of his spirit. We have that treasure that he deposited in earthen vessels. God put himself inside of people. That's why you need people. There's a treasure inside of people. You need the person next to you. You need others. There's no such thing as a self-made man. That's a myth. You didn't get here by yourself. Listen, God, God put people in your life to encourage you, strengthen you, give you wisdom. Somebody knows something you don't. That's why you need people. And that's true in the, in the church world. We need people. In fact, Hebrews says this, don't neglect coming together. In fact, as you see dark days ahead, anybody look at the news lately? As you see dark days ahead, you need it more often. You need people. You need to come together. You need to be together. You were created for connection. And so we started talking about that, and I specifically said there are three relationships that are non-negotiable. These are not up for debate. Every believer, every Christian must have these three relationships in their life. And the first one is this. You need a brother and you need a sister. You need a brother and you need a sister. Now, men, you need brothers. And ladies, you need sisters. 
Even if you're married, if you've been married 20 years, 30 years, you have a great marriage, you and your spouse are perfectly happy, you love each other, you love to spend time with each other, you're best friends. I get all that. That's great. That's, that's the way it should be. But you still need people. Men, you still need men, right? You still, because as great as your wife is, she'll never understand what you go through as a man. She'll not understand the pressures, the temptations that you face as a man. You need other men. Iron sharpens iron. And ladies, your husband is clueless about what your emotions are like, what you deal with. He just don't get it. He don't understand. He puts a Band-Aid on everything. You know what I mean? Fix it. Get it right. Rub some dirt on it. You'll be okay. I mean, that's just men. You're all right. Bones sticking out sideways. Get up, boy. You ain't hurt. I mean, that's us. So we don't know, we don't know what you deal with. That's why you need sisters, ladies. You need sisters in your life. You need other ladies. And then I said two weeks ago, the second relationship you have to have is you have to have a pastor or a mentor. You have to have somebody speaking into your life. Now, you say, well, pastor, that's easy for you to say. you got the title, pastor. No, it, first of all, it's not necessarily about title, right? It is about somebody pouring into you, giving you some wisdom, giving you some encouragement. You need somebody that has got their marriage fixed so that you can get yours fixed. You need somebody that's raised their kids that are serving God so that they can begin to talk to you about how to raise kids. You need somebody that can mentor you. You need a pastor in your life. And I mentioned several weeks ago, I have four men in my life, and one of them has been in my life for January will be 28 years. The others have all been in my life, everybody else over 30 years. And about a week and a half ago, I had lunch, just me and my pastor, and he has been my pastor for 42 years. And we just had lunch uh, about a week ago, a little over a week ago, and he said, Brian, let's get together more often. I'd like to have lunch with you more often. And, and I cherish him because they're not around forever. And so that's why I cling to these men, and they have challenged me. They have, they have, they have encouraged me. They always haven't, they haven't said everything that I love. You know, some of the things they've said to me have been tough, but they were the right things. And I know that I can, I can call them in a moment. They'll be there for me. So you need pastors in your life. And, and that can't happen if you're bouncing from church to church or you're going from place to place or you refuse to, to, to heed correction. You, that'll never happen. You need to stay planted and you need to say, okay, I will not be offended. I will let them speak into my life even if I don't like it. Hallelujah. And so that's why you need a pastor and a mentor. And then the third one I want to give you today, and this is the final message in this series, you need a disciple or a spiritual son or daughter, right? Now, Paul had, the apostle Paul had every one of these. He had every one of these in his life. He had an Ananias who was, who was like a mentor to him and somebody that spoke into his life. And then he had a Barnabas that, that would encourage him as well. And then he had a Silas, right, who was, who was a person that was just going to be somebody that stood next to him. That was his brother. And then he had a Timothy. He had a spiritual son who, who he could call and say, hey, listen, you're my son. But let me just tell you this. God expects you to invest your life in other people. I'm going to try that again. It's an expectation. Yeah. It says in the Bible, go and make disciples. disciples, not friends, not converts. 
right? It says this, go and make disciples. And so I want to read to you from the book of Hebrews. There's an incredible scripture there that I just want to unpack a little bit. Hebrews chapter 5, and it says this, and we're going to read it first of all in the, in the New King James. It says in verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Look at the first part of this portion of Scripture, verse 12. It says this, For though by this time you ought to be teachers. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. The New Living Translation translates it like this. Well, you've been believing now for so long that you ought to be teaching others. Right? So long now. You've been believing for so long now. Watch. That word, those words were written but imagine if they were ever spoken, because we don't know who wrote Hebrews. Some people think, back many theologians believe it was the Apostle Paul. Some believe it was Barnabas. There's other theories out there, but nobody knows for sure who wrote the book of Hebrews, right? But if it was spoken, I just kind of got the feeling that it would be spoken like this, that this is how, that if Paul wrote that, this is how he would have said it. You have been saved for so long, emphasis on the long, so long, right, that you ought to be teaching others. And so the question is, is how long is long? Because what I love about this person of, portion of scripture in this verse is what it doesn't say. It doesn't say how long they've been saved. Wouldn't that make it easy for us if it said, you've been saved for six months now. And you've only been saved five. I'm off the hook. Praise the Lord. Or you've been saved for three years now and you've only been two. Come on now. But we don't know. Now we know that this book was written, we believe, somewhere between AD 50 and AD 65, so somewhere in that bracket. So I guarantee you it wasn't 20 years. The timeline just doesn't work with the death of Christ and the birth of the early church. It's not 20 years. So maybe it's three years, maybe it was one year, maybe it was five years. I don't know how long it was. It wasn't a tremendous amount of time. And what the writer is saying this, that, that God has the expectation that at some point you begin to pour your life into other people. You ought to be teaching others. Man, I tell you, that's God's expectation on us. You know, Rick Warren in his book, Purpose Driven Life, says this, your purpose, is, your purpose is to invest your life in other people. You've got to invest your life in people. Paul told Timothy, what I've given you, you have to commit to give to faithful men. You have to pour your life out. That life is never about getting to the next vacation, starting a business, collecting, uh, accumulating. It is never about that stuff. There is more to life than all this. You were put on this earth for a purpose and for a reason, and one of those purposes and reason is to invest your life in other people. You have to. You have to. That's what God expects of you. He expects you. Look, look, I know this. I've been saved for 42 years. Woo, come on now. 
It's hard to do when you're 35. I don't know, the, time, the, math doesn't, the math doesn't add up, but 42 years, I can't look at God and say, God, not yet. Almost there. Come on now. We have to stop. God expects it. We can't look at him and, and make excuses. What he's doing is he's looking at us and saying, hey, 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 you ought to be doing something with your life now that counts. You ought to. Now, some of you are going, well, pastor, I'm just trying to get my marriage healed. I'm, I got a mess at home. I've got, I've got all sorts of things. And God knows all that. And I'm not saying you have to, you have to live 24-7 with somebody coming in and, and spend all your time with them. But there is the expectation that at some point, somewhere, somehow, some way, you pour into others. Can I give you three ways to do that? Three ways to do that. First of all is this. You have to put on people blinders. you got to put on people blinders. What I mean by that is this. It's always about people. It's never not about people. You say, I don't know what God's called me to do. Can I give you a clue? Can I give you a hint? Can I, can I tell you what it's going to be about? People. And if you don't like people, you better change your life. Because it will always be about people. It will never not be about people. God is in the people business. Come on now. And he expects you to spend your life ministering to people. It's not about you and the dog. It's not about you and, and the business. It's not about you and, and anything else that matters. It is always about you and people. Hallelujah. Now, I knew when I was preaching this message, preparing it, I thought, God, this is not a shout message. Nobody's going to go, woo, people. <laughs> now, some of you might. Some of you crazy people. Right? Most of you are like, eh, people. Yeah, great. You know what I mean? Right? I get that. I totally understand it. But it's always going to be about people. You know, I had a guy up in North Florida that attended our church, and he was a good guy. Hey, listen, this was a good man. But all he ever talked about was building an underground house. Every time I talked to him, it was like, I'm going to get an underground house. Have you ever been in an underground house? You don't even need air conditioning in an underground house. You, you don't even need it. You're not even going to have an electric bill. It's cool down there. It's like a wintry breeze. I'm like, breeze? And I thought, well, what happens if you get it? What then? When you get to heaven, you say, God, I spent all of my years building an underground house. God's going to go, no, no, no. I expected something different. It's never about those kind of things. Listen, have hobbies. I tell people all the time, take great vacations. Vacation like you're a gazillionaire. Have fun. Go for it. Within budget. Pay cash. Woo, I feel that one. Come on, Financial Peace University. Let's go. Pay cash and take a great vacation. Enjoy, enjoy life. But it's going to be about people. Amen? It's always going to be about people. And then the second way that you really invest your life and, and kind of understand this is you have to extend the invitation. If you want to disciple people, if you want to, you want to have a spiritual son or daughter, and I don't want to get so hung up on titles, right? Because people are like, spiritual son, that sounds weird. No, it's just somebody you're investing your life into. And if you're a man, it's a man. And if it's your, you're a woman, it's a woman right? And so you just kind of go, okay, how do I do this? You have to extend the invitation. 
Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 rescued the disciples from a life of boredom called fishing. Now, if you've been around this church, you know I I ain't about fishing. You know, you just keep doing this. I mean, it's like hours and a little bite. Nope, nothing there. And try it again. I mean, you know, like, and so he rescued them. This is what I just feel like. You know, he said, you're no longer going to have to. Now, they fish differently. I get it. It was nets and stuff. But he said, I'm going to take you away from that. And I'm going to bring you into a life filled with people. He extended the invitation. He said, listen, I understand that you're trying to make a living. You're trying to get to nine to five. But I want want you to walk with me as I open blind eyes. I want you to come with me as as the sick are healed. I want want you to come with me when I grab a lame man and I pick him up. And strength comes into his body. And he goes walking and leaping. Come on, I I want you to be a part of all this stuff. I want you to be a part of these miracles. I want you to walk on water. I want you to see the dead raised. I want you to, to, to invest your life in people. And their life was never the same. But you have to extend the invitation. Because some of you are going, well, you know, if somebody would just ask me to pray for them, I would. If somebody just would, would want to meet for coffee and do a Bible study, I would. Huh? And you're just waiting for somebody to, to knock on the door. But some doors are marked push. And you have to push the door open. You have to extend the invitation. Jesus didn't just wait for people to come up to him. He said to them, you, you right there, you. Now you follow me. Extend the invitation. You say, well, pastor, what if they, what if they say no? You shake the dust off your feet. You move on to the next person, right? And if you're wondering, you're, well, where do I find these people? Where do I find them? Well, we have these things called connect groups. And what you do is you get into that connect group and you just begin to survey the group and you're looking for the biggest train wreck in the group. <laughs> right? And it's not hard to find. Just be about 10 minutes and you'll find, you'll find the project. Just scan the room and go, that one. Whoa, yeah, come on now. Now somebody's going to be looking at you when you go there because... It could be that you're the train wreck, all right? So I, I get that. But you gotta, you got to get involved. You can't isolate yourself and disciple people. Do you see it? You can't, you can't isolate yourself. You can't, it can't be all about stuff, all about work, all about, all about building, all about just doing. You can't do that and still invest your life in people and make your life count, okay? So you have to extend the invitation. And the third one is this. Not only do you have to, have to you know, extend the invitation, you've got to commit to the journey. There is a journey to take. There are ups and downs. There are good days and bad days. Because when you begin to pour your life into other people, let me tell you, it's going to be work. Relationships are spelled this way, T-I-M-E, time. I have to invest time. I have to make time. Some of you say, Pastor, I don't have any time. No, you do. You have 24 hours. And tomorrow you'll have another 24. And the next day you'll have another 24. Just how you want to spend it. You'll have another 24. Now, you can't binge Netflix and change the world. It's just not going to happen. Huh? You can't catch all eight seasons of some show 
and make your life count. So you got to reprioritize some things. And if you got to say no to some things so that you could say yes to having coffee, right? Yes to investing your life into somebody. Yes and, and making your life count for something, right? Then you have to re- reprioritize your schedule and your life. It took Jesus three years to disciple his, his followers, those 12 men. And let me tell you, there were some projects in that group, starting with Peter, right? You think you got a, a rough guy. Jesus actually called him the devil. He said, get behind me, Satan. You are the devil today. Huh? I mean, Peter was just a project, man. He was, he was, he was just rough, chopping off ears. I mean, you know, it's not easy to disciple somebody like that. But he still did it. Let me tell you, they're worth it. They're worth it. Because when I was at my lowest, come on now. Pastor Mark and I were talking this morning. We, let me tell you, there's two people on this platform that were knuckleheads, terrible husbands, right? Ann and Cynthia are saints, never did anything wrong in their life. But, but me and Mark, Pastor Mark, were knuckleheads. And, and when we were at our lowest, somebody reached down and got a hold of me. He invested in me. He saw something in me. He said, you know what? And listen, in that moment, I was pastoring a church. I read my Bible. I went to church. I lifted my hands in worship. But I was still a train wreck. Come on now. And they lifted me up. They said, you're worth time and effort and energy. You're worth me investing my life. And to do that, he had to say no to some things. No to spending time with his kids for a moment. No to spending time with his wife for a moment. And come and, and come alongside me and pick me up. Come on now, when I needed somebody. Now, how can I say no to that when somebody else needs to get picked up? Come on now. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be time. It's going to commit. you got to commit to the journey. It is going to be a journey. But let me tell you, it is worth it. It is worth it. I want to end with some questions. Can I do that? I'm going to end with some questions. But first, got to tell you about the 80s. How many of you remember the 80s? The greatest decade I'm a child of the 80s. Let's go, Magnum P.I. Come on, man. Knight Rider, don't, don't, you know what I mean, with the little car that talked? How awesome is that? You know, mullets, parachute pants, we got this thing, man. But there was a song that came out in the 80s by a guy named Ray Bolts. One of the corniest songs. It's on my band list today, right? But there's something about that song, like, and this is what it says. Basically, he's talking about heaven. And in this song, as a man had a dream, dreamed I went to heaven, right? And while I was in heaven, people recognized me, and I recognized people. And let me just tell you, you will be recognized in heaven. The Bible teaches that. You'll be recognized in heaven, okay? And in the song, it was like, oh, you taught my Sunday school class. Huh? Oh, do you remember that missions trip? You gave so that I could go on that missions trip. Oh, you changed my life. I'm here today because of you. And the song's called Thank You for Giving to the Lord. Don't Google it. Don't YouTube it. <laughs> Just pass it on by. That's all you need to know about that song. But there's a truth in there that I want to unearth. There's just a little nugget there that I want to unearth 
Because, listen, only eternity will know the difference you make in some people's lives. Only eternity. Last week we had one of my mentors, Pastor David Briggs. I call him Brother David. My wife says, why do you call him Brother David? I don't know. I'm the only one on earth. I think that does that. It just stuck with me when I was young. And, man, I I feel like I wouldn't be standing here today if he hadn't invested in my life. And that's true of several other men. My pastor, Pastor Peters, my pastor, Pastor uh, Chester Clark up in North Florida, Dr. Bob Abramson, one of my mentors I still meet with on a regular basis. I would not be standing here if it wasn't for those men. They, they, They molded me. They helped shape me. They picked me up. Come on now. They encouraged me. They said, you could do this thing. Come on now. We need people like that in our life, and you need to be that in somebody else's life. Let me end with some questions. Can I ask you these questions? Now, I want you to to listen to each one of these questions, and I want you to hear this. Number one, whose marriage is stronger because you took time to counsel them? Whose marriage is stronger because you took time to counsel them? Second question is, who is a better father or mother because you helped them understand godly parenting? Huh? Who, who's a better father today? Guys, because you helped them understand what it means to be a, a dad. Huh? Not just a father, but a dad. Who's, next question is, who's able to make it to the other side of the storm because you encourage them? Ooh, hallelujah. Come on now. Who, who have you told lately, you know what? I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to text you. I, I'm going to be there for you. You need anything? We're going to stand together. We're going to meet together. We're going to pray. We're going to believe God. You're going to get to the other side of this thing. Come on now. Who's going to get to the other side of the storm because you encourage them? Next question. What child has a solid foundation because you taught them the scriptures? Woo, hallelujah. I can still remember today. I say this a lot. I can still remember my children's church leaders, Alice Jiggins, Little Nangle. I still remember my Sunday school teacher growing up, John Campbell. I still remember him. I still remember my Royal Ranger. We had this thing called Royal Rangers, like Christian Boy Scouts. I still remember Commander Del Wise. I still remember his name. I know all these. I still remember them. I see their faces. I remember those moments. I remember the building we used to meet in. I remember all that stuff because they took time to invest, to invest in my life. The last question is this, and this is by far the most important. Who is in heaven today? Because God used you to share the good news of the gospel to them. Because I don't know about you, when I get to the end of my days, it, it, for me, it's never about stuff. And, and listen, I have no fight with stuff. I'm not here railing against stuff. That's maybe another series someday. But, but listen, enjoy the fruit of your labors and take great vacations, all of that. I get it. But really, life is about investing in others. It has to be. When I get to the end of my days, if God blesses me to live a long life and I'm able to kind of reflect a little bit, here's what I want. I want my life to count for something, and it has to be about people. It's never about buildings and walls and drywall. It's about who's in heaven today. What kid has, has a solid foundation? Who have I taught that this is God's word and anything that goes against God's word is a lie? 
Huh? Who, who have I encouraged and said, you can do this thing? What, what husband have I come alongside and said, listen, you need to learn how to love your wife. Let me, let me talk to you because somebody taught me that. It's not that I'm the fount of all wisdom. It's that somebody invested time in me. Now I have to pay it forward and invest some time in others. This is the calling of God. Why? Because I've been saved long enough to where I ought to be investing my life in others. Amen? You know our school system? Our school system in America, you know, we will eventually push people out. You can't be 25 and be in the eighth grade. It's never going to happen. Right? Now, I'm not saying you can't fail once, but at some point, you're not going to be in middle school with a wife and kids and, and a full beard. It's just not, it's not, eventually they're going to go, time to move along, brother. We, you know, we're going to. But do you know God doesn't operate that way? He doesn't operate that way. He looks down and says, okay, now what I expect from you is maturity. I expect you to mature. I expect you to grow, right? And I'm not going to get you to the second grade until you pass first grade, right? But the expectation is, is you're going to grow, huh? Listen, God, God is like this. Hey, mature audiences. I need some mature audience. I need somebody to be spiritually mature so that they can pour into others. Amen? Would you do this? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes for just a minute? I'm going to ask Pastor Mark to come back to the keyboard. And I asked you those questions. I felt like God just gave me those questions. And listen, I could, I could come up with six, seven more, you know? But when you really look at the question, when you begin to ask yourself these questions, right, it takes on a whole nother meaning because you go, maybe life is not about trying to build the business. And, and I believe you should work, build a business. But it's, it's not what life's about, right? It's not what life's about. It's never about the weekends or the Friday nights or the, the two-week vacations, the next cruise, the next this, the next that. It's never about that stuff. Those are just fun little moments that God gives us to bless us with some relaxing time and some fun time. He wants you to have fun. He wants you to enjoy life. Those are great. But life is about people, me investing my life in others. And I'm going to end service a little differently from the way I've ended in times past. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes as I just, in your mind, just ask you to scan the horizon of your life. Just scan the horizon. I want you to see a little horizon out there. It's out there. It's out there. And on that horizon, on that horizontal line, right, on that horizontal line is people. If you're in a connect group already, they're, they're in there. There's people in there. If you're in church, there's people in there. Now, I understand there are seasons, right, where God will bring people into your life, and then there's a season where you need somebody to come into your life. So this thing goes in seasons. But it has to happen. Right? It has to happen. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for 
all of us here today that we would know that we know that we know that you've called us to invest our life in people, in people. And so I just pray right now that as we scan the horizon of our life, that, Lord, we would see people that are hurting and broken. And God, you put something inside of us. We've got giftings and abilities, and you've called us to use them. You placed it inside of us. We can't bury it. We have to invest it in others and watch you perform your miracle in their life. That I would spend my life helping broken people, putting together the hurting, banding, binding up broken hearts, broken wounds today. Oh, Lord, that I would use my own resources in any way, shape, that I can to just help somebody get closer to you, Lord. Church, right where you're at, believers, would you just scan the horizon of your life? Now, here's what I want you to do with your head bowed, eyes closed. I want you to see yourself extending the invitation. I want you to see it. I want you to invite somebody. I want you to, to say, hey, listen, I know you're going through a tough time. Can, can we get coffee once a week? And it's not, look, we're going to study the book of Hebrews and, and, and dig in and figure out who wrote this thing, and then we're going to get into Leviticus and study. The, no, it's never about that. It's just I want to just come and encourage you. I just want to come love on you. We'll get into the Word. We'll share the Scriptures. It's a source of all truth. We have to open up the Word of God, but I just want to invite you to, to just be loved on. Can you see yourself extending the invitation and committing to the journey? I'm with you on this thing. Uh, you ghosted me. You won't text me back for two days. That's all right. I, I'm not giving up on you. Huh? I'm going to hold on to you. You're worth it. 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 Look at me for just a minute. I talked to you last week, and of course, Brother David Briggs was here. He tells one of the great stories, and it's a famous story. The first time I ever heard it was from him. All these starfish had washed up on a beach. All of them dried out, not dead, just dried out. And a little boy, it seems like thousands of starfish, a little boy is grabbing one at a time and just throwing it back in. And an older gentleman comes up to him and says, son, you're never going to get all these, these starfish in the ocean. I mean, after all, you're not even going to make a difference with all these starfish. And the little boy picked up one starfish and he looked at the man and he said, you know what? It makes a big difference to this one. And he put that one back in the ocean. Come on now. We can't save everybody, right? We can't fix everybody. Some people don't want to be fixed. Some people, all they want to do is complain. You go, Pastor, that's what I've been talking about. Yeah, no, it's okay though. We're going to find the one. Right? Would you stand to your feet with me? We're going to find that one, and we're going to get that one back in the water. Hallelujah. And if we got to go through three or four to get to that one, it'll make a big difference to that one. Hallelujah. Amen. Can I pray for you today?